Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show, episode number eight. On today's show, we're talking about where to start when you are ready to declutter or give minimalism a try. Well, hello there. Welcome back to another episode of The Wannabe Minimalist Show. I'm your host, Deanna Yates. I'm so excited to discuss today's topic as we are winding down 2019 and getting ready to start not just a new year, but a new decade. Decluttering is such a popular topic at the start of any new year, but I have a feeling it will be hotter than ever this year. Have you ever had one of those days that does not go as planned? You thought your day would go one way and something caused it to go another? Well, that actually happened to me this weekend. We have a water filtration system that we actually manually fill with water. It sounds like a lot of work, but since it holds about two gallons of water, we use a pitcher and fill it once or twice a day, so it's not really a big deal. Except on Friday night. I filled it too full, and in the middle of the night, it overflowed. Not enough to damage the wood floor or anything, but enough to make a mess of some papers and make its way into our junk drawer. That led to a morning of dumping everything out, sorting, and cleaning up. It also led me to cleaning up our toolkit, some random screws, and what felt like a billion Allen wrenches. Why we have so many, I may never know. I started off being a bit irritated at being forced to declutter, but felt amazing when it was done. It's been something I've wanted to work on since we moved in this summer, and now that it's done, I wish I hadn't waited. That experience this weekend led me to today's episode, You probably have a drawer, a cabinet, or a space in your home that's causing some mental irritation. That stuff adds up, so I wanted to help you find a way to start to declutter without feeling like you had to do everything at once. Life's too busy for that, right? All right, so let's discuss how to start when you're ready to declutter or give minimalism a try. The first is that you want to decide where to start. I recommend that you start with something small or easy. Just like I had this weekend, it was just my junk drawer, and it was really simple. So realize that you don't have to do your whole home at once. You can start with like I did with the junk drawer, you can do a bathroom, or you can look at some place that might have the biggest impact on your daily life, like your entryway. The second thing you need to do is to get your supplies. So when I'm decluttering a space, I like to have a pen and paper or use the notes app on my phone. I like to have something to drink, and we'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about our ritual. You'll need trash bags, boxes for storage, and hangers if you're working in a closet. And then fourth, you want to make sure you're ready. You want to clear your schedule, put your phone on Do Not Disturb, and do something like go to the bathroom so that you're totally centered on what you're doing and you won't have any distractions. Okay, so once you have decided where you're starting and you've got your supplies ready and you are ready to go, let's talk about how I really like to get started. And I like to set the mood with a ritual. So what I do is I'll pour myself a drink, and if it's during the day or on the weekend in the daytime, I'll start with a 
you know, nice big hot cup of coffee. Or if it's the evening and my daughter's already gone to bed, maybe I'll pour myself a glass of wine. That doesn't always lead to the most efficient decluttering, but sometimes it's nice. Then I'll put on some good tunes, uh, something that's going to keep me energized and excited about the task at hand. And then finally, I take a deep breath. And that just helps me clear my mind and get ready for what I'm about to do. Gets me a little excited about it too. All right, so once I've completed that ritual, I take that pen and paper or the app on my phone and I like to start my task with intention. So I actually think this part is really important and I don't think people do this enough. I think they just go through their days and start their tasks and just start them and they don't think about why they're doing the things they're doing. So we're going to flip that on its head and we're going to start your decluttering task with intention. So at the top of that piece of paper or in your app, you're going to write down one word that you want to describe the space where you're working or one emotion that you want to feel when you are finished and have that space decluttered. So let's look at some examples. So for your junk drawer, your word might be efficient or prepared. That was definitely how I wanted our drawer to be. It's a place where we keep our scissors and tape and extra batteries and pens and anything we might need really quickly when we're in our main living space. Another example might be your bathroom. So let's say your word for your bathroom might be clean or spa-like. Or if it's your guest bathroom, it might be inviting. You want your guests to feel welcome when they are in your home and using the bathroom is something we all need to do sometimes. And then another example might be your entryway. So my word was on top of my game. I know it's not one word, but it's the emotion I want to feel in my entryway. When I am ready to walk out the door and I just feel prepared and I'm not rushing around and looking for stuff, I feel on top of my game. And that just feels amazing. And it's just one of the best ways I can start my day. Instead of being stressed, I feel in control. And this is one of my favorite ways to create a reward for a project or a space, and it makes it so much easier to follow through. So when you are trying to declutter your space for the first time, try it out and let me know. Let me know the space you're working on and let me know um, the word that you want um, to describe that space. And I, I just can't wait to hear how it works for you. I think you'll be really surprised. So then once your intention's set, you can also use that paper or your app to jot down any to-dos that come up or as you find things that you need to do so that you don't get sidetracked in the middle of the project. So for example, in the entryway, you may need an additional hook to hold a backpack or you might need a tiered paper sorter. Um, I discussed this in episode six when we talked about how to get rid of paper clutter. So if you haven't listened to that one and that's of interest to you, I definitely recommend checking it out. But it's best to write these items down and then come back to them later instead of getting sidetracked in the middle of your project because it will slow down your progress. You're building up momentum in your project and any distractions you have really will slow down that progress and it makes it so much harder to jump back in. So stay on task, jot them down, and you can always go back to them later and that way you won't forget them. So not only will that keep you on track, but you might find a solution around your house as you sit with that idea a little bit later, or once you've cleared out that whole space, you might realize that you want to tweak the layout or the flow a little bit, and then maybe you don't need the item that you thought you did. So stay on task, just write them down. You can always come back to them later. All right. 
So we know where we're starting. We've gotten our supplies. We've gotten started by setting our ritual. We've got our intention and we have our pad of paper ready to go for any other notes we need to take. The next step is to get our five bags or boxes for sorting. If you downloaded the Minimalism Starter Kit, you've gotten our five decluttering methods and this is our first one on that list. I discussed this in detail on episode number three, where I talk about our five decluttering methods that our family uses. And so if you're looking for more ideas, I recommend you check that out. But this five box decluttering method is very popular and it's one of the easiest for most people to start with because it requires almost no prep work. You can start in any space and it's quick and efficient. The five boxes or piles you will need are number one, your love it or keep it pile. Number two, your toss pile. Number three, your donation pile. Number four, your sell pile. And number five, your maybe pile. So most of those are self-explanatory, but let's dive a little deeper, okay? All right, your love it or keep it pile. Obviously, these are the things that you find the most joy in or that are useful and that you want to keep in your space. I think it is helpful to completely clean out a space. So even if you know you love something and you're going to keep it, I still recommend removing it from its current location and putting it off to the side with the other items that you're going to keep. This allows you to look at your space with fresh eyes before it's filled up again. And you might be surprised that you want to arrange things a little differently. Or when you have everything in a pile that you like and you want to keep, There might be an outlier there. There might be something that doesn't fit with the others, and you might either want to relocate it to another place or decide that it's not what you need anymore. So I like keeping those things off on the side and then looking at them and re-examining them before putting them back into your space. Okay, that was number one. You love it, keep a pile. Number two is your toss pile. These are items that you no longer use, but they're not in good enough condition to donate or sell. So often I find people have a lot of paper clutter in their spaces, and if you need help getting through that paper clutter, check out episode number six. It's all about dealing with the paper clutter that you get in the mail and from your child's school on a daily basis, and it also talks about how to get rid of the piles of paper clutter that have accumulated around your home, and that might be what you're dealing with right now. So the toss pile are things that you're getting rid of. That doesn't necessarily mean throwing them in the garbage. It might be recycling them, but it is getting them out of your home. Number three is your donation pile. Now, any item that is in good condition but you no longer use should go in your donation pile. So each time you finish a space, though, I recommend getting that donation pile out of your home. Get it into your car and put the drop-off on your calendar so that you actually follow through. You give yourself the time to make it over to the donation place and you can get those items out of your home. Number four is your sell pile. Now, the only items that make it into my sell pile are items that are worth more than about $50. Your number might be higher or it might be lower, but it is important to have a threshold at which you are willing to let something go. The trick here is to put an expiration date on the sell box and then donate anything that doesn't sell by that date. Now, one trick here for when I sell something or know how to price something for sale, is I look at the current market value for that item, not what I paid for it, but the current market value, and I sell my item for less than half of that price, that new retail price. It just has been an easy ballpark for us. It's been an easy way for us to get items um, sold quickly and not holding on to them, and then it really just takes out a lot of that guesswork. So if you're having a hard time pricing your items, I would definitely recommend that route and see how it goes for you. 
And then number five is your maybe pile. And this one is the lifesaver. This pile is the one that makes it easy for anyone to declutter their spaces, even people who never thought they would be able to declutter. This pile is your safety net. Any item you are not sure about goes right into the maybe box. When you're finished with the space that you're decluttering, that maybe box gets stored out of your home, most likely in your garage or in your attic or your basement. Write an expiration date on that box. Now, for some of you, that will be a month from now, but most likely it will be usually about six months or a full year from now. Really, it's whatever works for you. After that expiration date comes, anything that's still in that box should be donated. Now, I know a lot of people will recommend just donating the whole box without even looking in there, but I usually generally take a peek, but I don't have a a lot of strong emotional attachments anymore to my stuff. So that's much easier for me to be able to look in there and say, oh, yep, look, didn't need that after all. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. But this maybe box makes it much easier to see what you really need and what you're hanging on to because of emotions. If you don't go searching for those items, it means you just have an emotional attachment to them. And there might be a different way that you can honor the emotions that you have attached to that item. Uh, Maybe it's an emotional connection you have with a person or a memory that you had. And maybe there's something else in your home that can remind you of that. And then you can let go of the item that's in your maybe pile. But once you have your piles ready, now it's time to get started. Okay, so now we know what those piles are. We know um, we have them all set up. We know the space we're starting with. We've gone through our ritual. We've got our pad of paper and set our intention for the day. And now it's time for you to take everything out of your space and sort it into those five piles. So if you're starting with a drawer, I find it easiest just to dump the drawer out. And then that way you have to finish what you started. You know, if you don't finish, you're left with a pile in the middle of your floor, and that's no fun for anyone. 
So if you're starting with a cabinet, like let's say you're starting with your bathroom, I tend to sort as I remove things from the cabinet and then only the things that are in my love it or use it or keep it pile go back into the cabinet when I'm done sorting. And the same goes for my closets. So I sort on the way out. As I'm taking things out of my closet, I sort them into the piles. The only difference here really is with my maybe pile. Sometimes with clothes, you need to try them on to see if you really like them or not. And so when I'm doing clothes, the maybe pile actually will be clothes that I will try on again. So then I'll either decide if I'm going to keep them or donate them. But I find that with closets, if I try to remove everything at once, it can be super overwhelming and tiring. And you'll most likely need a break before you even get any of the work done. So my job and my goal is to keep you as efficient as possible. So as you're doing your closets, sort on the way out. Trust me, it's so much easier. Okay, so now you've gone through your one space that you're wanting to clear up and you've sorted things out. But at this point, if you're still struggling with what to do with your items, I found a few questions to be very helpful. So take a look at your item that you're having, that you're struggling with, and ask yourself some of these questions. Start with the space. How do you use this space? And with our junk drawer, that's where we put the things that we need easy access to. So I'm not going to store things here that need long-term storage. Those can go somewhere else. Maybe for your master bedroom closet, you're going to want to store your clothes in there or things that you need, you know, in your bedroom. You don't really want to store things that have no purpose in there. Or with your entryway, you want to make sure that that space is being used to make it easier for you to come in at the end of the day or, and to leave um, when you start your day and leave your home. So question number one, how do I use this space? Question number two, how do I want to feel when I'm in this space? Like I said with the entryway, I want to feel in control and confident and I've got this. That's the emotion I want in that room. But if we're talking about our living room, I want to be cozy and relaxed and I want to have fun with my family in there. So those have different emotions and the things in those rooms need to reflect those different thoughts and feelings. Question number three, do I use this? Is this something that is useful to my life? Question number four, do I love this? Is this something that brings you joy? There's that KonMari question. Um, Is it something that I love? Does it make me smile? Does it light me up inside when I think about it? Question number five, would I buy this today? Now, when we own something, we have strong emotional attachments that we give to our own personal belongings. So if it's something that you look at and you were to see it in a store today, is it something you would buy? If so, absolutely keep it in your home. And if it's not, think about if it's something that you want to keep, you know, in your possession. And if not, feel free to let it go. Question number six, does this represent who I want to be? Now, oftentimes we hold on to things because we already have them. It's something that maybe something was handed down to us, but just because we own it doesn't mean we have to keep it and we don't have to make it part of who we are. 
So this works a lot with clothing. Um, if your clothes are not representing who the, per- the person you want the world to see, then you need to make a change. Same with your home. When people come into your home, your home is a reflection of you. Is it reflecting the person you want to be? Only you can answer that for yourself. Question number seven, does this item have bad energy, negative associations, or harbor any guilt? So maybe it's something that you got from an ex from a long time ago. Probably time to let it go. Sometimes maybe you had a friendship that ended poorly and you have something that still reminds you of that friend. Every time you see those items, negative thoughts and emotions will well up inside you. And that is not what you need in your home. So feel free to let go of those items. Number eight, is this worth the time it takes to dust, clean, or maintain? If it's something that brings you happiness and joy, you will not mind keeping it clean. If it's something that you find after a while it's collecting dust and you just look at it and it just doesn't make you happy, probably time to let it go. Number nine, and this is the last question, is it worth taking up space in my home? And that's really the most important. So of course this space is for you and your family, but it is worth Noting, is it worth taking up the space that you have in your home? All right, so your space is precious and personal to you and your family. It's where you unwind at the end of the day. It's the springboard for going out into the world. So you want to make sure that your home is where you can unwind and recharge and get ready. Okay? All right. So speaking of family, I have one final thing I want to discuss today. And now a lot of you have asked how to get your spouse on board with minimalism and decluttering. An example someone gave me recently was about her husband who has a set of golf clubs that he has not used in what she said is over a decade. Now, she seemed pretty upset about this set of golf clubs. All right, I have an opinion about this, and it might not be very popular, but I ask that you hear me out before turning off this podcast. If you listen to the next part and totally disagree with me, I'm cool with you turning off this episode off and never listening to me again. Deal? Here it goes. It is not our job or responsibility to change someone else. We are only responsible for ourselves. Yes, as parents, we need to help guide our children, But anyone that's a parent knows that you cannot control how your children feel or what they like. The same is true with our partners. We are not on this planet to change them. We are here to support the people we love. If you want to get your spouse and kids on board with decluttering, you need to be the example and model the behavior you wish to see. Find a place in your home that you can control, like your closet, your car, the family command center, and declutter it to your liking. If you can get your own clutter under control and then demonstrate those benefits to your family, once they see that, they will want to jump on this minimalism train with you. So in my life, I'm further down this minimalism path than my husband, and we're both further down the path than our daughter. It's a process and a journey. So you want some examples? All right, I'll give you some from around my house. So as I look around our living room, I can't help but notice our books. So over the years, we have gotten rid of almost all of our books. It's something that's much easier for me, though. I'm able to get rid of the books, and I'm perfectly content to check them out from the library when there's one I actually want to read. And while my husband has gotten rid of a lot of his books, he's still holding on to some emotions when it comes to having physical books on his bookshelf that he wants to read. 
I've let my books go. And I've also let go of the expectation that he needs to be where I am in this process too. So if the books bring him joy, he should keep them. And I'm totally on board with that. You want another example? Okay, we both have collections from when we were young. Mine are a few dolls and toys that we're holding onto for my daughter, as well as a large collection of Christmas ornaments. Oh boy, large collection of Christmas ornaments. <laughs> my daughter and I went through the ornaments this year, and we're actually down to two boxes of Christmas decor from about five boxes that we had a few years ago. Now that she's six, I'll also have her go through the few toys that I kept for her, and if she doesn't want to keep them, I'll be ready to let them go. There really is no sense in having them collect dust and take up space in our garage if she does not want to play with these items. So my husband collected comic books and baseball cards. He has a couple boxes of these items still, and that's okay. Now did you notice something? We both have a few boxes of items that we're holding onto in the garage. We need to understand that all of us have items with deep emotional connections from our past. And while we work through these items, we need to show each other and ourselves grace. Maybe we don't understand why our partners are holding on to something, but we will get a lot further in our minimalism journeys when we work together to get rid of our baggage instead of blaming and working against each other. So here's where my opinion may not be super popular. I don't want to bash our partners. I want to help them and support them and work together to get through our clutter. If you're in this place where you want your partner or kids to get rid of stuff, here are the steps I recommend you follow. If you totally disagree with me after these steps, this is where I give you permission to never listen to my podcast again. Cool? Step one. Declutter all of the spaces that are completely under your control. I recommend your closet, your items in storage, your belongings around the house, your car, the family command center, and the kitchen if you were the one in charge of cooking. Step two, live this minimalism journey and cherish the freedom that you get by having less. Your family will learn by your example. Trust me, this lifestyle is contagious. I am so much happier now. I'm less stressed. I yell less. I enjoy my time. I'm able to commit fully when I'm playing with my daughter and they all love it and they can all feel the difference now that I am no longer constantly thinking about my space and my stuff. So trust me, they'll see the difference. And then step three, support and honor your family in their choices. Encourage them to try living with less, but do not get angry or push back when they choose to keep something that you're unsure about. You might actually be surprised at what they choose to let go of. So don't be offended if they want to get rid of something you gave them or that you're fond of. Or you might be surprised at what they choose to keep. So make sure you don't cast judgment in that scenario either. Now, the smaller your children are, the easier it is to steer them in the direction of minimalism you want because you are one of the adults in charge of what you purchase for them. Over time, your family will naturally start to let more and more go as they begin to reap the benefits and freedom that comes with living with less. Okay, that's it. If you're still with me and you didn't turn off this episode, I would love to connect with you further. Please join me in my brand new Wannabe Minimalist Facebook group. 
Over the next few weeks, I will be sharing lots of exclusive information there, and I will actually be hosting a 21-day decluttering challenge in January, all for free. It's going to be awesome. But you have to be part of the Wannabe Minimalist Facebook group to get into the challenge, okay? I will not be sending out the info in any other way. So join now and be ready for a transformative 2020, a new decade, new amazing life with less stuff, less stress, and less burden. I can't wait and I hope to see you there. Next week on the podcast, we'll be discussing the psychology behind why we overvalue the items we already own. It's a fascinating topic and it will help you over the hurdles most people stumble on when they're trying to declutter. You won't want to miss it. See you then. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.